0: We want to welcome you here this weekend. We're in, we've been in this Dive Deep series. We're continuing in this Dive Deep series. And so I, I, I want to talk to you today, tonight, about a subject that, uh, that I have a lot of experience at. Turn in your Bibles, electronic devices, Matthew chapter 18 is where we are tonight. And I'm going to talk to you about this issue of forgiveness. Um, I, I, I've entitled this message, in my Imaginary Lines. Uh, a lot of times when we struggle in life with unforgiveness, uh, with the, especially the relationships around us, we draw, make, create imaginary lines all around us. And so we'll make these imaginary lines, and we know, we, we know they're there. Uh, we know that now there's boundaries, and, and, and it causes us, if you're not careful, to just like live in, in isolation. And so, so I really hurt for people. I really, um, I really feel sorry for people that struggle to forgive. And the reason that I can say that, because for a number of years, I I struggled in this area of forgiveness. And so I have journeyed through this area of forgiveness and and been able to forgive and learned a lot about forgiveness. Because here's the deal. When you you draw imaginary lines in your life, unforgiveness will tell you this. Unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness will tell you that you cannot trust anybody in this world. That nobody, guess what? Nobody can be trusted. And what happens with imaginary lines is it builds you into an area of isolation. And listen, isolation, what Scripture says, is just deadly. And so I'm praying that as we walk through this, that if you're struggling with forgiveness, that that God would like help you, heal your heart, mend you, so that you're able to walk in forgiveness. And so we're going to understand some things just in a very uh, conversational way as we just walk through. I'm not going to read through Matthew 18. I'm going to tell you the story in a little bit. But the real question is is, is, is how do you forgive? I mean, when you're, when, you, when you're carrying deep hurt, when you've, when, when you've been trade, betrayed, when you've been hurt, how, how do you forgive uh, those of you that, that may have gone through a divorce? And, and how do you feel that, about that person? Or how do you forgive that person that, that maybe betrayed you or hurt you or whatever? Or, or maybe you've been abused by a parent. Or, or maybe you've been abused by someone in, in a position of trust. Or maybe you were the victim of a crime. Or, or maybe someone has gossiped about you, slandered about you. Maybe someone's hurt your character and integrity. Um, maybe you've been, like, ripped off by 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 somebody, or maybe you've been neglected as a child, or maybe you were abandoned as uh, uh, by a parent or maybe you were overlooked by a coach or maybe you've been put down by someone or maybe you maybe you've had a vicious argument with someone, and all of a sudden you begin to throw up imaginary lines in your life uh, maybe you've been treated cheated out of a portion of, of an inheritance that was rightfully yours and so so how 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 do you how do you forgive how do you forgive when it's just so hurtful and so painful see Jesus told, told told Simon Peter. Simon Peter put a number to it, and Simon Peter was like, "So how about this? How about seven times we we forgive seven times?" And Jesus is no, uh, seven times seventy, in other words, four hundred and ninety times. And so I, I wonder. It's just my personal opinion. Uh, this isn't clear in scripture. It's my personal opinion. That's four hundred and ninety. I, I I was wondered if Jesus was trying to communicate. There's four hundred and ninety different ways to, to be hurt. Maybe that's what he was trying to communicate about this issue. And if, 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 if you've ever been hurt deeply, then you know what it is to struggle just, just to forgive. You know, and I'm praying tonight that if you're dealing with for unforgiveness or to forgive, that you don't deflect. Do you walk right through this and just see what God has for you? The title of this message, Imaginary Lines, comes from childhood. Um, my, my sister, her name is Cheryl. She's 16 months uh, younger than I, and Cheryl and I are close. We're still close to this day. And so we were, we were on a family vacation. My dad had uh, a 1967 Oldsmobile Delta 88. It's like a land barge. I mean, it's four-door land barge. Had, I mean, it, it had all the bells and whistles. I mean, it's the first car I ever rode in. That you could actually turn up the volume on the radio. People act like that's new. That was in 1967. You could change the, you could change the station and, and, and all of that. But, the, but you remember those cars, those of you that are my age, I mean, they had seat belts, but we didn't. We didn't use them. We never took them out of the wrapper, right? <laughs> and we lived. <laughs> and, and so remember the bench seats in those days? And so like the back seat was like, I mean, it was like a sofa. It was like a, a fold-out bed. I mean, you could literally run around back there when you were a kid. And so my sister and I were in the back seat, mom and dad in the front seat, and my sister and I are, are in a fight. And so my dad pull, pulls over, and, he, and my dad is not a happy camper. And so he turns around, he yells at us, and says, you know, I've had it with this, fi- this fighting, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to draw an imaginary line down the back of this car. Charlie, that's your side. Cheryl, that's your side. Charlie, you don't get on Cheryl's side. Cheryl, you don't get on Charlie's side. And if, if another fight breaks out, I'll stop the car again, and, like, everybody's going to get a spank. And I'm like, well, what did Mom do wrong? But... Uh, <laughs> Almost got a spanking then. <laughs> so, So we get in the car, and, and it's like one of my dad's favorite stories to tell at, at, uh, when he was alive at, at different functions and reunions and stuff like that. So we get in the car. We're, we're headed back on the road. About 30 minutes later, all of a sudden, Cheryl is, like, screaming in the back seat. And my dad's like, what's wrong? Am I going to have to pull this car over? And she says, no. She said, Daddy, Charlie is looking out my window. You know that's what imaginary lines do in life, right? Imaginary lines when there's issues, when there's unforgiveness, imaginary lines. You draw these imaginary lines, and there's rules, and there's regulations, and there's anger, and there's all of these other things. And see, see, people with unforgiveness, whether it's marriage, relationships, church, professions, uh, whatever, will draw imaginary lines, and they'll have all kinds of imaginary lines in their relationships. You don't see them, but you know, you know they're there. And we'll say things like, well, that's my side and that's your side. And, and let's, we'll, we'll just have imaginary lines. We'll live together. We'll live in the same house. We just won't acknowledge each other's presence. We won't even act. We'll, we're going to live in the same house. We'll just kind of tolerate one another. And so when this happens, you're no longer in life-giving relationships. See, unforgiveness, I'm telling you, unforgiveness will push you to isolation. Isolation will tell you nobody can be trusted and these conversations aren't worth it. But what scripture tells us as believers, as Christians, that we're supposed to be able to forgive. We don't, we don't live like the rest of the world. In fact, as Jesus taught us and Jesus taught and says, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, the word trespass means a boundary line. It means trespassing. It means to, it means to step over. Listen, forgiveness, the world, if you look up the definition of forgiveness in in many different sources, the forgiveness is this. Forgiveness, just to find out, is to find out is releasing my right to, to retaliate. Forgiveness is admitting. Forgiveness is admitting that I've been wrong and I've been hurt. But it, it's giving up my right to hurt you back or to retaliate. And, and so that, that's kind of the world's way. But, but Christian forgiveness goes even deeper. Christian forgiveness says this. It says, I forgive you. I, it releases my right to retaliate. But I will do the very best I can to restore the relationship to the original form if possible. And that word, if possible, is so important. And we're going to understand that. See, see Christians oftentimes struggle, especially because I have lots of conversations, whether it's by email or in my office, about this issue, issue of forgiveness. Christians many times struggle distinguishing forgiveness from trust. You can forgive someone without being willing to trust them. Trust has to be built. Trust has to be reinstated sometimes. And so we just need to see Christians, a lot of times they get caught up. And I think one of the barriers is this. They confuse forgiveness and trust with like the same thing. Forgiveness and reconciliation with the same thing. Christian forgiveness is this. It, it, I release my right to retaliate. I'm going to forgive you. And to the very best of my ability, I'm going to bring the, the relationship back to its original form if possible. And the prodigal son, right? The prodigal son left, took his inheritance, and he went away. And he, he, his, his life, his world fell out from under him, and he goes back home. And, and, and if, if you're familiar with the story, you know that the dad forgave him and brought him in and did not treat him as a, as a slave and didn't, didn't tell him everything that he had done wrong and judged him and all of those other things. And his dad reinstated the relationship back to its original form because it, it was possible. It was possible. And so we need to understand some things about forgiveness that there is a difference between between forgiving a person and reinstating trust. I mean, a person that embezzles large sums of money and and all of a sudden that person becomes a Christian. I have the responsibility as a Christian to forgive him, right? But I'm probably not going to put that individual in charge of the church finances. Right? I've forgiven him. These two different things. See, forgiveness is not ignoring what happened. Forgiveness is not pretending like nothing happened. Forgiveness forgiveness is not saying that it was no big deal, it didn't really hurt, any of those things. Forgiveness is is, is not ignoring the seriousness or the depths of the hurt or pain. It is coming to the place that, you know, we're just going to release my right to, to retaliate and then doing the best I can. As far as it depends on you, what Romans says, as far as it depends on you, just live at peace with everyone. In Matthew chapter 18, Simon Peter is like struggling with this issue of, of forgiveness. And, and, and Simon Peter like puts a number to it, like I've already told you. He, he said it's like, well, I'll forgive him like seven times. And Jesus helped him to understand that forgiveness is not a statistic. It's an attitude. It's a way of living. It's a way of life. It's, it's just this attitude. So, so I want to give you two things this evening that if you're going to live without imaginary lines, if you're going to live life without imaginary lines, without living in isolation and all of those other things, these two things are going to be really, really important for you. The first one is this, is I must choose to forgive because forgiveness is not a statistic, it's an attitude. So I must come to the place that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to choose to forgive in advance. First Corinthians thirteen five says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no records of being wrong. In other words, this love, love doesn't keep, keep a ledger. Um, love doesn't keep a diary of, 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 something, of everything that someone's done wrong. I've told you part of my testimony. I, I, before I learned to forgive, I, I kept a legal page uh, um, a, on a legal pad. I listed out everything this individual had done to hurt me. So that whenever I get to have that conversation with that individual, I would take them through that page line by line and they would be accountable to that. Until the day came in a counselor's office that I was able to shred that piece of paper and mark it in in my life. See, the Christian, listen, the Christian must be willing to forgive again and again because God has forgiven us, right? again and again don't ever don't ever forget this Uh, forgiveness is a gift that we give to ourselves forgiveness is not a gift that you give to somebody else have you ever had unforgiveness for someone and you're like angry at them and then you realize they don't even know what they did to hurt me they're like too oblivious how big of a jerk they were right they may they may not even be care they may not even know listen forgiveness is a gift forgiveness is a gift that we give to ourselves. Listen, we can, look, we can only keep our side of the car clean. What, what our sister does on the other side, what our neighbor does on the other side, that is up to them. That is not up to us. We, we cannot, as much as we'd like to, we cannot control other people. We cannot control their words. We cannot control their actions. I mean, it, when you start looking at this issue of forgiveness and see, the problem with forgiveness is this. It's difficult I mean, if, if we're just honest, for all of us, I don't, it's just difficult. It's, it's just hard. fact is, I, I really sometimes believe that forgiveness may be the most difficult thing in the Christian life. I mean, no other subject that I preach on has the demands of views or CDs or, or anything like that, like forgiveness. In my office, I talk about this more than any other subject with people. And, and, and so the reason that forgiveness is so difficult, here's just a few of them, is this. Is forgiveness goes against our carnal nature. I mean, it, it goes against our natural nature. It goes against who we are. I mean, it, I think all of us could say this. When we're wronged, we want to retaliate. When someone hurts us, we want to we hurt them back. I mean, it's human nature. You hit me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit you back. If you cut me off in in traffic, I'm going to retaliate. I'm going to cut you off in traffic, and when I go by you, I'm going to give you the look. Right? I mean, you're supposed to do that, right? I hope. Like, you just give them the look. Like, you know, anyway. If you insult me, I'm going to insult you back. I mean, it's it's part of our carnal nature. When someone hurts us, we're going to hurt them back. Story about a, a married couple, they're on like this road trip, a vacation, they're in a car, and they end up in an argument. And so after a couple of hours of, of like silence, all of a sudden the husband's driving and he notices off in a field in the distance is a distance is a bunch of donkeys. And he notices that his wife is like just staring off looking at the donkeys. And so he looks over at her and says, hey, relatives of yours? <laughs> she said, yeah, in-laws. I mean... <laughs> And isn't that how we are, right? You hit me, I'm going to hit you back. You hit me, I'm going to hit you back harder. I I mean, when you start looking at this, and when you start looking at this issue of forgiveness, we understand it's just our human nature. You to say you'll never get by with this nobody's ever nobody will ever treat me like that i don't i don't get back you know what i get even i will get listen i will get even with you if it's the last thing that i do did you ever think how stupid it is for us to say that that i'll get even with you you know what we're saying when we say that you're a low life and i'm going to get just as low as you and i'm going to get you back I'm going to get you back Here, here's another thing why forgiveness is just so hard forgiveness requires trust in the justice of God forgiveness requires trust in in the justice of God Romans twelve nineteen. beloved never avenge yourselves but leave it to the wrath of God for it is written vengeance is mine and I will repay says the Lord God is saying, you know, God is saying in Romans, when, when someone hurts you, when you've been hurt, don't take matters, don't take matters into your own hands. When we do, we, we like mess it up. We, listen, I'm telling you, God promises, you know what, I'll, I'll take care of the situation. Now, the problem is, is, is God doesn't settle his accounts at the end of the month. And we, we like that. The fact is, we'd like for him to settle, settle the accounts at the end of the day. And then sometimes God's timing is much different than our timing. But God promises, says, you know what? Vengeance is mine. I'll take care of it if you'll, if you'll let me. In other words, this, we, we have free will. If you want to get in the way of, of God's justice, God will let you. If you think you can handle it, God will back off. He's a gentleman. He'll let you. But the problem is this, that... That only God can really take care of some of these things. So so forgiveness, some of the times the, the reason forgiveness is so difficult is because we're we're trusting the justice of God. In fact is, I was it's a, it's it's amazing. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump ahead because I want to tell you the story that I, you know the reason that that forgiveness is so difficult. One of the reasons, and we'll get to it, is because of our memory. We remember. I never will forget, I was talking to someone out in the, in the lobby, and, and, uh, and this, this subject kind of just came up, and so uh, we had we'd planted Fellowship of the Rockies in, in like 1995, and in, in the church was, God was blessing, the church was like growing, and I mean, it's, it's doing amazing, and then, and then a local pastor calls me and says, hey, we have some land, I'm not going to tell you where, because where I don't, it's somewhere in Pueblo, because I don't want you to try to figure it out. Uh, because I know you have inquiring minds, you want to know. <laughs> and, and so he says, we got, we got some land, and we'd like to sell it to you really, really cheap. And, and so if I remember right, it was, it was about 16 acres of land, and it was about $400,000, $450,000. And that was a stretch, and so we met as elders, we prayed, we met with him, um, and that was kind of weird, only him, and, uh, but all, I had all of our elders with me, and it's just like, him. And so, and so we negotiated the price. Uh, we signed a letter of intent because in, in those days, uh, so anyway, we signed a letter of intent. Uh, we announced to the church that in two weeks, we, we, God's blessed us with some land. We're going to buy some land. People are excited. And so you come, and we're going to vote. We need you to vote. The Saturday night uh, before the vote was going to take place, um, this guy calls and threw down the God card, and said, God has led him and told him he was not allowed to, allow, allowed to sell the land. And so we had a letter of intent. We could have pushed it. And now we had to. But we, 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 we met as elders. We chose. We prayed about it. We chose not to. We said, we'll release you of that. If, if you say God's told you, then, then we don't want to get in the way of God. And so but we did have the embarrassing thing of standing up the next day and says, hey, the deal's off. And, um, anyway, I I could tell you what happened to that whole land deal. It ended up not being a good thing for the church, their church. And, but you know what? I I had to forgive that guy. And I I had to forgive that guy. And every time we got close to land and the land deal deal fell through because we had plenty of those, I had to forgive that guy again. See, sometimes what makes forgiveness so difficult is our memory. Sometimes what makes forgiveness just so difficult because, see, forgiveness, listen, forgiveness is not a single event. It, it's 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 not static. It, it's, it's a constant process. When Jesus says you, you forgive four hundred and ninety times, it may be that he was also saying you're going to have to forgive that memory of that event over and over and over. Listen, forgiveness is a gift that you give yourself. The Bible, unfortunately, makes it very clear that there's a direct correlation of of God's judgment of us and our judgment or unforgiveness of other people. Matthew 18.35 says, So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And Jesus taught us to to pray, and he taught us to forgive our debtors as as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And Jesus said over and over that there is, that it's, it's very clear that our ver- vertical relationship with God cannot be right if there's, like, unforgiveness or imaginary lines. fact is, First Peter says, says, husbands, if your relationship is not what, right with your wife, your prayer is going to be hindered. I mean, over and over in Scripture. See, God desires that we live a life where there's no imaginary lines. Listen, listen let me just tell you, it's, it's, it's God's desire to bring unity, God's desire to give unity, it's Satan's desire to, um, to divide us. In marriage, it's God's design in marriage that two shall become one. Stephen Furtick would say this. It's God's design in marriage that two would become one. It's Satan's desire to make one two. And put an offense between you and your spouse. Put unforgiveness to where you know that there's like these imaginary lines and it's just those so subjects that we, we just don't talk about. It. I mean, we're 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 just going to tolerate one another. We're just going to exist. We're just those those subjects. That that's like that's like that's like off the grid. That's 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 we're not going to talk about. Them. I mean, Matthew 11:25 says, "And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses." Matthew 5:23 says, "So if you off if if you are offering your gift at the altar." I mean, if you're worshiping and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Listen, let me just tell you something about worship. Your worship cannot be meaning, meaningful and deep as long as you're alienated from someone else, as long as you have imaginary lines. If you have, I'm telling you, if you have an unforgiving spirit, it is going to block your worship. In your heart, it blocks the flow of God's blessing, what Scripture tells us in your life. Ephesians 4.30 says this. says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. In other words, he wants your gifts to be used to the fullest. But listen, bitterness and unforgiveness and resentfulness acts like a sewage blocking the flow. I don't know about you, but I've never known a happy hater. And there's plenty of them, right? There's plenty of them in our society. There's plenty of them on social media. I mean, I have, listen, we live in a time that it seems like somebody's, it seems like somebody's going to get offended over something, right? It's just like we have so many people that just carry an offense. I've never known a happy hater because any revenge you get is short-lived and it always leaves you wanting more. And an interesting story, Edward Markham, I don't know if you know who that is. I was just recently reading an autobiography by him about his life and Edwin Markham uh, was a great poet and writer and towards the end of his life, he, he had like this terrible experience. He was, he was just about ready to turn 60 and he was gonna retire. And in someone, a relationship around him, he didn't identify who he was, and a relationship around him, a man had, had embezzled, had taken his lifelong earning to where Edwin Markham could not retire. He's broke. And so he writes and he says, I'm 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 riding on a legal pad, I'm 60 and I'm broke, I'm sixty and I'm broke. And he he had to write because he had to put food on the table, but he couldn't write because he was consumed with hatred and unforgiveness. And so he he said that he would just sit in his office and he would write just circles on a page. And he would just keep repeating, uh, uh, I want to forgive. I must forgive. I can't write. I hate this man. This man is destroying my life. And he poured his heart out to God. And God did something in Edwin Markham's life. And Edwin Markham wrote and said that at one point in his life, he forgave that guy. And it seems like heaven opened up and there was this blessing. And so he went back to the page and decided to write again. And he wrote this sentence. He wrote this. He says, he drew a circle that shut me out, rebel, heretic, but love and I had the wit to win. And we drew a circle that took him in. And Edwin Markham went on to write some of the greatest poetry and writings of his life. He came into wealth and fame greater than he had lost in his later years. Why? Because he removed this obstacle of unforgiveness. Listen, I'm telling you, these imaginary lines of unforgiveness, it's, it, it blocks the flow of God in our life and our motivation that... God has forgiven us, and as a result, we forgive others. Matthew chapter 18 is just the story of a king. Uh, uh, Jesus is teaching Simon Peter on this issue of forgiveness. It's a story of a king, and a man had owed a king $10 million. And the king called for him. and told him he was going to throw him into jail. And, and he says, give me a chance. I'll pay it back, which he never could. And he says, I'll pay it back. And he pleaded mercy. And the, the king says, I'm going to put you and your family in jail. And the guy pleaded for mercy. The king, for whatever reason, gave him mercy, forgave the debt. The man leaves, and he remembers that someone owed him $20. And he meets that man, and he grabs that man by the throat, and he says, pay me the 20 bucks that you owe me. And the man says, please just give me some time and I'll pay back, which is possible. It's possible to pay him back. And the man said, no, it's my right. If you cannot pay me, I'll put you and your family in jail. And he put him in jail. And word got back to the king. And the king called the unforgiving man back in and said, how could you do this? I forgave you of $10 million. This man only owed you. He only owed you 20 bucks. And because of your unforgiveness, I'm going to put you in jail in Matthew 18. It's the most, to me, it's the most sobering word in Matthew 18. He says, I'm going to put you in jail until you can pay it back for your torment. Telling you, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Unforgiveness only torments yourself. It doesn't torment anyone else. Imaginary lines around you. It only hurts your, you and not anybody else. And so if I'm going to live without imaginary lines, then, then, then the second thing is this. I must practice the art of forgiveness. I must come to the place in life where I actually practice just the art of forgiveness. I, I, it, it, it is an attitude. It is not a statistic. It is an attitude. And so there's three steps. There's three steps of erasing imaginary lines in your life. And so I, I'm just going to give these to you real quickly. And the first one is this, if you're going to practice the art of forgiving, if you're going to forgive, if you have that individual right now, and listen, I'm telling you, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, that individual's that action, that hurt's already been brought to your mind. I'm telling you, because it's always, unforgiveness is always under the surface. And so if you're going to practice the art of the forgiveness, the first thing is this, you are to pray for the person who has offended you. Pray for the person who has offended us. Matthew 5.43 says this, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I mean, Jesus is the one that, that, that hung on a cross dying for our sins. And he said, Father, for, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Could it be that there's some people that have forget, for, who have hurt you that they really didn't even know the hurt and the pain? Yeah, that, 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 that's a totally different message. That sometimes... People can say things to us, and it brings up unresolved issues in our life, and they didn't even mean to hurt us. We just, we just heard their words through the fear of rejection or abandonment or betrayal. And the, one of the hardest things for us to do, I'm telling you, this pastor that decided not, not to sell, and he threw down the, like the God card, and we knew it wasn't a God card. We knew It was cash. It wasn't, God had nothing to do with it. We know that. And every time, every time he, I, I, I just I would pray for the guy. Man, it, it's hard to pray for someone and hate them at the same time over a long period of time. Second thing is this. If you're, if you're going to learn to forgive is, is if, if possible, if it's healthy, confront the person in love. And, and confront the person in love. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Not you and five other friends before you ever go talk to the individual. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two along, others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. This is such practical practical advice. Many imaginary lines could be erased if we would just put this into practice. If someone offends you and hurts you, don't don't draw imaginary lines. Don't draw imaginary circles. Don't tell a bunch of other people to try to get people on your side or to see your side or to judge this individual. How about this? Just, Just personally go to that person. And don't listen. Do not go with an attitude that I'm gonna, I'm gonna shame you. You know the difference. You know, it's just so interesting to me. People try to put shame on people. The cross shame off of you. Totally different in the Christian life. And so you go and not with an attitude to shame them or to blame them or make them feel horrible or to embarrass them. I mean, you you go with with. You don't go with trying to give them a piece of your mind. You go with an attitude, you know what, we're going to work this out. Listen, I'm telling you, more imaginary lines could be erased if we would just believe the best in one another. Why is it we believe the worst in someone? Why is it we believe the worst in someone of how they're going to react or what they were thinking or or what their motive was instead of just, just trying to believe the best in the individual? And you just talk with them. And you just start it out like, help me understand. Help me understand why you did that. Help me understand why you said that. This is my perception. Just help me understand. Listen, and go quickly. When the offense first happens, I mean, Jesus said if you're in worship, so that would indicate within a week. The longer you wait, the bigger those barriers get, the bigger those lines get. It just does. Man, where you just pick up the phone and maybe call someone. It's amazing what will happen if you will immediately, just immediately. You know what we we call them in our house? You know what we call them at our church office? Courageous conversations. I just need to have a courageous conversation with you. And you do it without blame. You do it without attacks. And you do it believing the best in the individual that what's going to happen at the end of this is reconciliation. Proverbs seventeen nineteen says, whoever loves transgressions loves strife. Who who makes his door high seeks destruction. Whoever makes a high imaginary line, it'll never be re- released, never be erased. The last thing is this, if you're gonna forgive, express kindness to the offender. You just come to the place where you express kindness to the offender. Romans 12, 20 says this. And this, this, is, this is the most often this verse is taken, just ripped out of context to mean something it doesn't mean. Here's what it says. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will, re- will heap burning coals on his head. Now, I've heard people say, you know what, I'm going to forgive them because that's like putting hot coals on their head. I hope they burn. I hope they suffer. I hope they, they're miserable. That's not what that verse is saying. In their day, whenever your fire went out in your house, you would go to your next door neighbor and you'd say, could I borrow some, some coals to get my fire started to, for, for, to cook a meal or to heat a house? And what they had was they would have a pot And they would take that clay pot and they would take some of their coals, put their coals in that pot. And then you would take that hot, those hot coals in the clay pot and you would carry it on your head to your house. It's like in our day saying, I'm willing to give you the shirt off my back. I'm willing, even though I'm offended, even though I'm hurt, guess what? I'll still be kind to you. Love. Love is not rude. Even when you're angry. And I know this is challenging stuff for every one of us, right? And I believe it's something that is learned and it's something that is developed. But I also believe that God has designed us to live in such a way to where we do not have imaginary lines in our relationships.